Hi, I'm Josh, and welcome to the Wild Nature Photography Podcast, the podcast that talks the art, the craft, the packing, and perhaps a bit of a rant of nature photography. It's the 8th of the 11th of uh, November 2022, and this is podcast number 53. The topic of this podcast is going to be packing for Antarctica, packing for the Emperor Penguin Expedition. What am I going to take with me and why? But just before I get onto that, I do want to have a bit of a rant. I need to get something off my chest that I have been going through over the last sort of seven days that's been a bit of a nightmare, really. And that is the issue of visas and travel. So ever since the pandemic, life has been getting more and more difficult from a travel perspective. And I'm not just talking about cancelled flights, changed schedules, lack of flights, lack of connections, horrible connections and all of the above. That's all been going on since the pandemic. And on top of all of that, as we all know, the level of service across pretty much all the airlines has substantially dropped. Actually, it's plummeted from what it was pre-pandemic to post-pandemic. So that's all bad stuff. And it's made travel around the world a lot more difficult, a lot more uncomfortable, take a lot more time, and frankly, also cost a lot more money. Flights are now costing upwards of 25% more than they were pre-pandemic. There doesn't seem to be a ceiling on it. And I am noticing huge increases across the board. But that is not even what I want to rant about today. I'm not going to rant about the price of it all. I'm not going to rant about the lack of connections or the horrible connections. It is what it is. That's just what we're dealing with. What I do want to rant about is some of the new visa requirements that are coming into place for traveling in and out of certain countries. And Chile is the one I'm going to talk about today. So For my Emperor Penguin expedition, I need to fly from Melbourne to Sydney, Sydney to Santiago, and then from Santiago down to Punta Arenas at the bottom of Chile. Now, prior to the pandemic, so prior to 2020, as an Australian citizen, you would get on a plane, you would fly to Chile, traveling on an Australian passport, and when you landed in Santiago, which is the international airport, you would pay what they call a reciprocity fee, which is basically a $100 processing fee. And... That was more or less a tit-for-tat situation. We charged the Chileans coming to Australia, so they charge us coming to Chile. Fair enough, whatever. It was no big deal. You paid your $100 and you went on your way and you did your thing. Now there is an entirely new visa requirement that requires you to submit an application to the Chilean embassy. And part of that application requires, obviously, a copy of your travel itinerary, so your flight tickets, where you're staying, so your accommodation booking, You require a letter of invitation, which means you need someone in Chile to write a letter of invitation for you uh, that you can then submit as part of the visa application. You need to provide three months bank statements or a tax return to show that you can fully support yourself while you are either on holidays or working in Chile. And on top of all of that, you are also required to provide a national police check to show that you don't have a criminal history at all as part of your visa application. Now, all of that's good and well, but it's a huge amount of bureaucratic red tape to cut through that takes a long period of time. Now, I didn't actually know about the requirement for a national police check until 10 o'clock today, uh, being, what did I say, it was the 8th of November, and I'm flying on the 13th of November. So I had a, a contact back from the Chilean embassy saying, we need your national police check. So I got online to the Australian Federal Police, and I start doing my national police check. I submit that. I pay my $44, I think it was, application fee. 
I then ring them up to make sure they've received it. Yes, they've received it, but the processing time is five to 15 business days. So I'm supposed to be flying out on Sunday to Chile and I have no visa and I have no national police check yet. So that's obviously causing me a lot of stress at this point in time. Now, no one advised me of any of this. I had to go and find all this out for myself In fact, the only reason I even knew about the requirement for a Chilean visa now is because one of my grand contacts in Chile contacted me last week and said, hey, Josh, do you have your new Chile visa? And I started looking into the situation. Now, I don't really care so much about the cost of this. It was $188 to apply for my my Chilean visa, $44 for the national police check, whatever. I don't really care about the money, to be honest. What I care about is the undue stress all of this causes and the the bureaucratic requirement for a huge amount of, frankly, irrelevant paperwork. Tax returns, bank statements, all of that sort of information really does should not be required for a visa. So this is, I'm not blaming the Chilean government for this. The Chilean government is just instituting a visa policy that pretty much matches what the Australian government is doing for Chilean citizens. So I jumped online and I had a quick look. If you live in Chile and you're a citizen of Chile and you want to come to Australia, you're required to submit 11 pieces of documentation in order to come to Australia. Now, in my opinion, that's ridiculous. And this whole tit-for-tat situation is crazy because the people who are suffering here are the travellers who just want to go on holiday or go and work in another country. It's not necessarily... We are the ones who suffer. We are the ones who have to go jump through hoops and provide all this documentation, pay our fees and submit everything and then wait to get a visa. It's far too complicated in a, in 2022 to be going through this sort of process. Uh, even by comparison, this is a much more complicated process than, say, getting an electronic visa to go to the United States or an ESTA. That's a relatively straightforward process. You pay your money. I think it's $15. You do it online. It takes about 20 minutes and you're done. This takes upwards of 15 business days of processing to get all these documents together that the Chilean embassy requires. So this has caused me a lot of stress. I've spent a lot of time on the phone, uh, not just today, but over the last few days to the Chilean embassy and now also to the Australian Federal Police about this police check that requirement, which only just came in, by the way. I think I mentioned that it's only just come in as a requirement for a Chilean visa for Australian citizens. It is what it is. I don't know why they require it. They just do. So it has to be done. It's not, I'm not concerned about it. I don't have a criminal history at all. It's just a pain in the ass, to be to be completely honest. It's delaying my visa application. It means I may not have my visa in time. Now, thankfully, the Chilean embassy is being really good about it. And they're saying, look, don't panic. We're going to issue your visa in the next 48 hours. You're just going to need to travel with your receipt that shows that you have applied for your police check. So, okay, fine, I'll travel with the extra piece of paper. Again, it's more of a pain in the ass. So I'm probably going to be traveling with not less than a ream of paper on this expedition now just to get into Chile because I want to make sure I have all my boxes ticked. I'm going to have to travel with my letter of introduction. I'm going to travel with my bank statements. I'm going to travel with my AFP receipt to show that I paid for my police check. I'm going to pay, I'm going to travel with my, obviously my full itinerary and where I'm staying. So as well as some local contact numbers in Chile of people I can call. So the whole process has really been really quite painful. So be aware of this. If you are traveling to Chile as an Australian citizen, 
that you are required to have a visa and that this visa requires a lot of information. You cannot do it in 48 hours. You need to allow a couple of weeks minimum uh, to get it done. So I think that's it. I feel a little bit better having got that off my chest, ranted a little bit about it. Let's get to the topic of the day, which is going to be on a much more enjoyable note, packing for Antarctica, because I'm going to assume that I'm going to get my visa and I'm going to be going. So what am I going to take with me and why? So I think Let's just start with camera gear first. So I've obviously done this expedition to uh, the Emperor Penguins in Antarctica quite a number of times now. So I'm quite familiar with what works and what doesn't work down there and what I'm going to take with me. So obviously I'm going to take the Canon EOS R3s. I'm going to take two of those with me. They will be my cameras for this expedition and I'll be taking two spare batteries as well. So that's going to give me a total of two cameras with four batteries. That's plenty. About the coldest temperatures we can expect down there on the sea ice are probably around minus 20 uh, with some wind chills. So not as cold as Ellesmere Island and not really a concern for batteries. So certainly not for the batteries that the R3 uses anyway. So then for lenses, I'm going to take the 14 to 35 millimeter F4 with inbuilt IS. That's going to be my wide angle zoom for the, for the expedition. I am really in love with that lens. I used it so much in Greenland uh, in September this year. It's just a wonderful lens. It's pin sharp to the corners. With the IS built in, I can hand hold it down to very, very slow shutter speeds in combination with the IBIS in the camera. It's a small light lens, superb optical quality, and it's just my go-to wide angle lens these days. So that's going to do it all for me in the wide, wide end. I am not going to take a mid-range zoom, so I'm not going to take a 24 to 105 or 24 to 70. Just put simply, I hardly ever use a mid-range zoom, I find. I often travel with it, and it just sits in my bag taking up space. So uh, I know from experience, again, down on the ice with the Emperors, I'm just not going to end up using it. So what I am going to take is my 70 to 200 f2.8 LIS. That's the new RF version. Again, it's superb lens, pin sharp, uh, fantastic image stabilization and that's going to give me 70 to 200 so I'm going to have a little gap there between 35 and 70 not a big deal it's a gap that I rarely shoot in anyway so I'm not concerned about that at all I, I know that I won't need that lens uh, if I'm doing just candid snapshots I can do them on my iPhone so I'm not worried about that then what I'm also going to take is I'm going to take the 85 millimeter RF f1.2 which is a very specialized lens, but it's a lens I want to have with me specifically to use at f1.2 so that I can do uh, images of the penguins with literally just the eye sharp because this lens is the background obliterator. At f1.2, it just blows everything out and it has the most beautiful soft background and bokeh. So I'm really looking forward to taking that new lens down there to Antarctica with me and, and using that lens. It's much, much better to focus in the old EF version and with the eye tracking now and the EOS R3, that's going to be a phenomenal combination to have in the field. So I expect to use that lens quite a little bit. And then at the long end, I'm going to take my 400mm RF 2.8. And again, this is a lens I've used down in with the Emperor Penguins before. Absolutely superb lens. Uh, and it's going to give me the sort of telephoto compression I want so that if we've got some nice light on the horizon, uh, some color in the sky, I can really use the compression in that lens to squash that up against the penguins. So that will be my long end. And I am also going to pack a couple of other things. I'm going to pack a two times teleconverter. So that will turn my 402.8 into an 805.6. Now, the reason I'm taking that is not actually for the Emperor Penguins. I'm taking that for a day's photography 
before we leave for the Emperor's at a nearby location for the South American Condor. So I know a location that I visited a few years ago with my friend Mark Farnan. We went and did a test shoot on a nearby mountain where the, the condors were coming regularly in the evening. And I just want to have a little bit more focal length than my 400. So I'm going to take the two times to give me 800 for that. That's just what we're going to be for one day's photography. And packing the two times teleconverter is, is no big deal at all. That's, that's going to fit very easily in my camera bag. So I'm not concerned about all of that. Then I'm also going to take a small flash for backlight as well. I'm going to take a Prophoto A10, uh, which is a very, very small flash. It's kind of the small baby version of the B10. Uh, and I'll take a couple of grids for that as well. I'll take both a 10 and 20 degree grid for that because I really want to be able to control the light from that flash and literally use it just to backlight the subject. So that's going with me as well, as well as a little mini tripod to set that up on the snow and ice. And all of that will pack into my uh, Pelican case for travel. Uh, so I will have a wheel case uh, to get from Australia to Antarctica. And then what I will do is I'll repack into a ICU for shooting in the field because what happens down at the Emperor Penguins when we get to our final base camp out on the sea ice is we our actual campsite is about one to two kilometers walk away from the main penguin colony. So when we want to photograph the penguins, which are usually walking past camp anyway to go fishing, but if you want to get to the main colony, we will take uh, we'll walk across the sea ice and just drag a small sled, and I can just put a um, an ICU on that sled with all of the camera gear put together, assembled and ready to go. So there's not room to have everything assembled in my Pelican case. So I will pack a separate ICU in my check luggage. I won't take the backpack for it. I don't need the backpack. I'm literally just going to take the ICU so that I can put all the camera gear into that and have everything assembled. So I'll have an R3 with the 400 2.8 on it. And I'll have the other one with either the 1435, the 85 or the four on the, or the 70 to 200. So that's how I'm going to operate for the trip. I won't be taking a tripod. I just don't need one. Uh, there's no requirement to do long exposure tripod work down on the sea ice uh, for me. And uh, I like to be at eye level anywhere with the penguins, which means I like to be lying on the snow and ice. Uh, and the tripod just puts me too high off the ground. So I will take a small bean bag with me, but no tripod. That means I've got a little bit more space uh, in my camera bag. Uh, and don't have to worry about uh, packing a tripod in my carry-on luggage either. So on top of all of that, there is some obviously some accessories I need to take with me. I'll be taking my Profoto hot shoe adapter, things like SD, um, SD, I mean CFast cards, and um, my SSD drive for backing up. Uh, that will all be going with me as well. Obviously, camera battery charger, some lens cleaning materials and, and sensor cleaning materials and things like that. I'm not taking a cable release. Uh, the only filters I'm going to be packing for this trip are going to be my polarizer. Uh, I probably won't even use it, but it takes up so little room in the bag that I'll just pack it anyway, so it'll be there if I need it. I also don't need my binoculars for this trip, so that also saves me a little bit of room as well in my bag, which is nice, although I actually have to replace those. I've had a pair of Leica Ultravid HDs probably for close to 10 years now. They've been fantastic binoculars. But I ran over them with my snowmobile in winter <laughs> by mistake. Um, and ever since I did that, they haven't quite been as good. They're a little bit out of alignment. So they could probably be fixed, but that would necessitate sending them back to Leica in Germany and probably cost as much as a new pair. So I'm going to replace them when I get back uh, from Antarctica with a pair of the Swarovski Pures. 
the new 12 by 42s they'll be my new um binoculars that i'll be taking to mongolia for spotting palace cat and snow leopard more about that perhaps uh, in a blog post or a, perhaps a future podcast as well we'll see about that so i am um, let's come to clothing for this trip and just a little bit of what i'm going to pack for clothing so Obviously, in temperatures around minus 20 degrees and, and perhaps even a little below with wind chill, you need to be fairly careful with what you're packing. So I'm going to be packing my Baffin Arctic Sport Extreme Boots. They're the same boots I used in Ellesmere Island. Uh, they are rated to like a minus 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is a ridiculous rating, but I've used them in minus 50. They're fantastic boots. They'll keep my feet warm. Uh, I won't be packing battery socks for this trip. I just don't think I need them. Maybe I will pack them if I've got space in my bag. I'm not sure. We'll just see how that goes. But I really probably don't need them. I'm going to be packing my Fjord Raven Polar One bibs, which I just love. And for my uh, outer layer up top, I'll be packing my uh, 66 North uh, Yoklapaka, which is a, a new parker I picked up when I was in Iceland which is super, super warm, and it's a little bit lighter than the Fjordraven. So I'm going to take that on its first test trip to Antarctica this time. We'll just see how that goes. If it goes really, really well, then I'll bring that to Ellesmere Island as well. And it's white. I purchased it in white. I've actually been looking for a white coat for a long time just because it makes uh, camouflaging in the snow a little bit easier with wildlife. So not that that's required for the penguins, but I want to see just how it goes from a warmth perspective before I pack it and take it down to Mongolia or Ellesmere Island. So then obviously I'll be layering underneath that uh, from a clothing perspective. For gloves, I'll be taking my Heat 3 gloves. Uh, those work quite well for me down in Antarctica. I find I can spend many, many hours photographing uh, out in the field with those gloves uh, and not get cold hands. So that'll be, that'll be it for me. I'm going to be able to get all of this into one North Face duffel obviously plus the rolling camera bag uh, and my laptop bag. So that's going to be relatively easy for me to manage. Uh, having just the one North Face duffel instead of two makes travel just a lot easier through the airports. Even though I'm allowed to take two duffels because of my status uh, and two big bags, I think up to 30 kilos each, it's just a lot to schlep through an airport. So I just prefer to try and do it in the one bag if I can. And as I said, I can actually put the ICU that I'm going to assemble all the camera gear in and use out in the field on the sea ice, I can actually put that inside the check bag as well. So that means that I can just put clothes inside that and things like lens hoods and accessories just to fill it up. So it's not dead space inside uh, inside the duffel bag. So that's it. That's going to be my packing for Antarctica. Um, I'm more or less complete, just as an aside, with my RF lens lineup now. There really isn't much I don't have that I need. I'm quite happy with everything that I've got at the moment. I am very much considering selling my original EF tilt shift lenses based on the new focus stacking that's in the EOS R3 and also in the EOS R5. I tested that extensively when I was in Greenland and I loved it. It's fantastic. It really does away with the need for a tilt shift lens in the field unless you're photographing moving water. So I'm just in the process of considering whether I'm going to sell those or whether I'll, I'll keep them. Most of my other EF glass I have now sold or traded in on RF versions. I've still got a couple of things left. I've got an EF 1.4 Mark III converter and I've got an EF 2x teleconverter. So both of those uh, I want to sell and move on. If you happen to be interested in an EF teleconverter, just drop me an email and let me know. Or a tilt shift for that matter. I've got both a 17 EF and a 24 tilt shift EF. So I'll probably be selling those off as well, I think. I just can't see myself 
traveling with them or using them again at this point in time, not with the, the incredible focus stacking that's built into this camera, uh, built into these cameras these days. I just, I'm, I just can't see myself needing it. So all of that said, that's what's going with me to Antarctica. That's assuming I get my visa on time, uh, which I'm hoping I will. Obviously, I will do an update on that. Won't be via podcast. I'll just do it to my blog. It'll be a final departure email before I leave on very, very early on Sunday morning. Unfortunately, I have a six o'clock flight from Melbourne to Sydney. Uh, that's a domestic flight, so I'll need to change to the international terminal in Sydney. But that flight leaves Melbourne at 6 a.m., which means I need to leave my home at 4 a.m. at the latest on Sunday. Uh, in order to be at the airport on time for that flight, which means I probably need to get up about half past three. So I'm not looking forward to that very much. That's going to throw my body clock out straight away. Uh, And then I've got quite a long layover in Santiago. It's about uh, nine or 10 hours, I think, in Santiago before the flight down to Punta Arenas. So I've taken a day room at one of the hotels there just so I can take a shower and refresh and freshen up a little bit before the flight down to Punta Arenas, which is also about a three, three and a half hour flight. So quite a long flight too. So, and then once I get to Punta, we will have a few days um, before we fly down to Antarctica, weather permitting, of course. It's always about weather windows flying down to Union Glacier. We are scheduled to fly from Punta to Union Glacier on the 18th of November. Uh, whether we go on the 18th or not, we'll just have to wait and see. Again, it's weather dependent. Typically, it's been my experience that there are delays and that those delays can blow out to a week, just depending on what's going on. Obviously, landing on the sea ice, which is a naturally occurring runway, conditions have to be just perfect. So I'll keep you posted on that. We'll do, I'll do some blog updates, maybe, maybe a, a podcast update from Punta Arenas. And we'll be taking some podcasting kit with me. I may even try and record one in Antarctica if I get time. Uh, uh, we'll just see how that goes. Another one of the Bird Photographer of the Year books has arrived. So two of them have arrived now. I'm still waiting for the other six. Don't Doubtful they're going to get here before I go away. But then what I'd like to do when I get back is do a review of all eight books in the one podcast because the presentation is very, very similar. There's no need to break it up across a great deal of, of different reviews. I think I'll try and do them all in one in one hit. So that's it for now. Just a reminder, if you want to support the show, you can buy me a coffee. It costs me about $25 a month in podcast hosting fees to, to run the podcast. So all contributions there are very, very gratefully accepted. Uh, as I said, there's a link in the show notes if you want to do that. Entirely up to you. Of course, I understand if you can't in this day and age of pretty much financial hardship for everybody. Everybody struggles and even the emails of support I get are greatly appreciated. So thank you very much for those. So fingers crossed that the visa comes through okay for Chile. Um, I'm really hoping that's going to happen. I think it will based on the conversation I had with the last conversation I had with the embassy. It sounds like they're going to issue that visa in the next 48 hours and I've just got to make sure that I've got all my paperwork printed out and hopefully that all goes smoothly. Those are the dilemmas of international travel nowadays, and that's just the way it goes. So let's wrap it up there for today. I'm Josh. It has been the 8th of November, 2022, podcast number 53, and I look forward to seeing you out in the field, which hopefully will be on the sea ice in Antarctica. Take care.